0: This episode of the Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Since 2019, Sales Leadership United has grown to become the largest collection of sales leadership assets in the world. Check out salesleadershipunited.com and tap into tools used by elite sales leaders worldwide. Accelerate your leadership development. Solve modern sales challenges. Use fully prepped sales meetings in your next team meeting. Thousands of hours of sales leadership materials indexed and searchable with a single click. Create your own personal sales leadership library. Head to salesleadershipunited.com and use the code ROB at sign up to get a free trial on me. Hi, I'm Rob Jepson and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth from the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. This show features leaders of teams who are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. Be sure to check out the all-new salesleadershipunited.com. Fast-track your sales leadership development, gain insights into how other sales leaders are solving challenges similar to the ones you face, and tap into over 400 leadership topics, hundreds of video insights, battle-tested leadership frameworks, and new material that comes out every single week. Sales Leadership United is the easiest investment in yourself you'll ever make. Head to salesleadershipunited.com, use the code ROB at signup, and get a free trial on me. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders who are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. The show continues to grow so fast. We just had our biggest month in show history, and I love the DMs. Please keep them coming as I, I just love to hear how these conversations are helping you you and your career. And today is going to be another one of those conversations. Today, you're going to get some insights that are going to come from a perspective that I think every single one of you can benefit from. It's going to be a conversation that's really fun. One of my favorite guests ever reached out to me and told me I, I 100% absolutely positively I had to have the most influential leader that she had ever had in her career join me on the show. And after meeting this person, I was convinced that Ali Razakis was right. I would be lucky if I could get Christina Smears to join me on a show. So let me introduce Christina. Christina has seen and done it all in the sales leadership world. She's had an amazing run in one of the most incredible sales sales orgs in the world, Salesforce. She's led business development, sales development, and sales. She's done it at the director level as well as the area vice president level with massive success. She's led the large teams, she's led the new teams, and she's led everything in between. She's led them all in ways that didn't just create professional success, she's created life-changing success for hundreds of people fortunate enough to have the chance to work on her teams. Now, along the way, she set the records. She's developed the next generation leaders. She's helped people make club. And by the way, she's had a few clubs of her own. And because of all this, she has a perspective of building teams. I'm really excited to share. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time, and I cannot wait to get started. Christina, welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, and thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you, Rob. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled and honored to be here. Um, You have me blushing with all the nice things you just said. So thank you so much. Um, I'm excited to spend the next 45 minutes together.
0: Yeah, well, would you get that kind of an endorsement from Ali Razakos, who I have come to, I, I I admire her, and we have that relationship in common, and when she told me you taught her dang near everything she knows about leadership, couldn't wait to meet you, and, and getting ready for this show, man, she did not oversell. I'm really looking forward to this, so thank you for joining me.
1: Of course, of course.
0: Why don't you start by introducing yourself? I'm always interested in what led people to sales, and, and, and ultimately sales leadership, I'm still looking for that person that said, I want to be a sales leader when I grow up. Uh, I, I I love the story.
1: Yeah, I know. it's It was not in my story originally. Um, so it, okay. as it probably isn't for most people. Um, so I uh, was a major in communications. I wanted to be a TV anchor. I thought I was going to be a TV go. anchor. I interned at NBC and I was like, this is amazing. And the t- TV production, I had this glamorous view of it and I worked for free for six months. And then they said, we'll offer you a full-time job and it's going to be 22,000 a year and you got to work nights and weekends. And I was like, hold on a minute. I need, I have student loans. I have all these things. Um, so from there, I took the first internship that paid, which was at a Microsoft reseller. They paid me 10 bucks an hour. And I was like, this is awesome. And I did sales and marketing coordinated. I was taking leads, literally on paper, taking leads and qualifying them. And I started to become aware of the world of software sales and cool. I realized this is fun, this is lucrative and I'm pretty good at it. And I started to become more and more aware of like the personality traits and how it's really about connecting with people and went down that path. And um, basically I, so the funny thing about Salesforce is in 2004, they reviewed as a startup that weren't gonna be around for very long. So I interviewed at Salesforce as my backup job. I interviewed, my primary focus (laughs) was Microsoft. I wanted to work at Microsoft. That was where I wanted to be. And I didn't get the Microsoft job. I got my backup job, which was Salesforce. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take it. Wow. Happens. (laughs) And best decision that ever worked out for me, which was great. And so I joined in um, 2004. For those of you on the on your uh, on in the audience, basically that uh, don't know, Salesforce is now thirty-one billion and about seventy-five thousand employees. When I joined, um, there were five hundred employees. Wow. And ninety million in annual revenue. So um, I basically it was a very different company. Spent the next nineteen years across sort of three different careers. Within those nineteen years, I was an IC. I ran sales development and then ran the sales organization. Um, was on a rocket ship, roller coaster, whatever you want to call it. Um, And then what makes me a little bit different than maybe guests that you have on the show prior is I'm now actually on a career break. I took a minute. I had an opportunity. I took a minute. And I've been taking the last six months to recharge, invigorate it, and invest in myself. And I'm really loving it. And I've learned a lot and have some good perspective that I'm hoping to share today.
0: Yeah, I think that that is something that's really important for us to throw out as we start like a lot of people take their gap year or their investigative year early in their career, like maybe when they finish their education. And I can see why that is a interesting way to do it. Let's see what I want to do. But you just went through, like you said, three different careers with, massive success. Like, I don't know that you've beat your drum well enough to be honest with you. And that's cool. But now that you've had that great run, you're saying, now, what do I want to do? I've got all of this experience. I have all this point of view. Where do I want to apply it next? And I think you've been super intentional in how you've done that. And I, I think that's really, really wise. In fact, I wish I was smart enough to do that earlier in my life. And uh, so I, I'm glad that you've made that clear to our audience because, You just got back from some really awesome time and you're now saying, okay, how do I apply this? And and I think your perspective is going to be really helpful to a lot of people. So on behalf of 50,000 people, let's, let's go. Okay. Um, Let's start with this. As you went through that three careers over 19 years, you went through every conceivable condition. You you told us you started in 2004. We all know that 2008, 2009 was its own deal then we had you know the pandemic and then we had another recession after that again so you've seen all the times like i call it all the times like if people watching on sales leadership united will see my air quotes going right here and when i said when you say what do you mean rob with all the times well here's the times right it's it's pandemic times good times tough times market slowdown times uh investor boom times and and everything in between right and all along the way you found ways to win during all of it like it wasn't the same thing just work harder, you found ways to stay at a place that you could keep your team ready to win. And so I'm guessing that you had a starting point for all of that. It wasn't just like guessing and work harder or maybe a few more calls here and there. And so when you look at where it all starts to have success as a leader, where, where do you look for that starting point?
1: Yeah, I think, I think you're exactly right. So when I think about the last kind of 15 plus years of leadership, whether it was a small team of five people or whether it was a large team of 300 people, Team design, leadership design, who you hire and how you create the sum of the parts is for me, the difference maker. So it comes back to the people on the team. Yes, it's helpful if you have an amazing product. Yes, it's helpful if you've got awesome marketing and demand out there that helps as well. But if you have a team that isn't a cohesive unit or don't balance each other out, you'll never get to your full potential, in my opinion. So I have oh, sort of a good
0: like- word. I'm interrupting you. Can I interrupt you for a second? You used a really important word. Yes. You said unit. It wasn't just get a whole bunch of really good people and like, you know, feed the dogs and keep them happy, right? Like shove pizza under the door or whatever you got to know. You said unit. And I love that. I want to point that out to our team. I don't want to let you, I can't wait to get your your, your, uh, framework that you're getting ready to share. But I want to point that like unit is way different than a whole bunch of good people. Is that fair to say?
1: A hundred percent. And also not six of the same people which a lot of us new to leadership will do. We'll hire, we know every salesperson needs drive, sense of urgency and organization. Okay, I'm gonna hire people who are driven, urgent and organized. And they all look the same and act the same. And maybe you didn't have, maybe they're all extroverts, for example, right? They all have sort of that same personality trait. It, it really is important to balance out and be strategic and intentional when you hire, whether it's account executives, whether it's leaders, whether it's VPs on your team, What is each person going to uniquely bring to elevate the overall unit that is so important? And it elevates everybody from a performance standpoint, but also from a professional development standpoint.
0: You know, it's so interesting that you said that. And again, I'm not going to let you go to where you're going, but I'm not going to apologize for pushing pause because I think what you just said was massively important. And I want to get your take on something else. I think it's not just when you're new to leadership. Like you said something not a bunch of six or seven of the same person. But that's so insightful. New leaders might make that mistake, but seasoned ones do too. Yes. Right? <laughs> seasoned ones do too. Listen, my biggest thing I had to overcome early in my leadership career that still I'm highly aware of that I know bites me is if someone's a lot different than me, I, I'm like, oh, I want someone that is like me. I, I make that mistake still when I know it's a mistake, Christina. I know it's a mistake and I want, I'm like, oh, I want someone who sells like me because it's going to be easier to coach them or because I relate to it or whatever. Why is that such a bad mistake?
1: Because I think you can only do as much, you can't, you can't reach the full potential if you just have more of you or more of the same on the team. Let me give you a great example. So let's say you have six people on your team and um, someone has, they're all driven, they're all organized. They all have the sense of urgency. Great, they all have the basements for what you need to be a good seller. Um, But one person's an introvert, right? And the rest of your team is an extrovert. The extroverts are going to learn from the introvert how to listen better, how to process information better, how to think differently about how to solve a problem. Then they're going to apply that with their customers who by the way, are extroverts, introverts, all different types of backgrounds, right? And so being able to relate to each other and learn from each other elevates the success of your overall team and then they become better the best examples I can give are when you especially when you're hiring a leadership team that it's even more important as you're hiring second and third line leaders uh, because the impact is that much larger but a good example is when I when I'm hiring a leader and I've got a team that's dynamic the first thing I'm looking for and someone's like what you're looking for I'm looking for the gap in skill set that we need to Mm. improve. I know at a certain level, you're going to be good and you're going to be capable and you're going to have your accolades and your club performances and all of that. But what are you going to bring to the team that we don't already have? Maybe you're highly data analytical and you're incredibly great at the operations. Maybe you're someone who is a cultural leader and brings the fun. Maybe you're someone who's you know, um, driven and highly competitive, whatever that might be. Maybe you're the master negotiator. One, I'm looking for you to help identify that. I'm looking for what I can bring to my team I don't already have. And then I'm looking for how everybody else can learn from that from each other.
0: So good, Christina. Thank you for letting me sidetrack you for a second. Because that, I think, is a really, really important thing for us to be intentional about, not accidental about, right? Accidental is not a good way to be an elite leader. So I love how you say the baseline for you is, okay, what's the total like package that I want to see from everyone because you're right. It's a really great insight that I hadn't thought about Christina. Yeah. And, and and the insight that I hadn't thought about is it's not just the differences in the salespeople we're selling to all these differences in buyers. And so as you watch how these different people can have impact with the buyers, that's going to make it, that's what you want to watch for us. How do the different traits and characteristics influence different types of buyers? Mm-hmm. I think that's super hadn't thought of it that way. I think that's a really great thing for us to share. So thank you.
1: A hundred percent. There's two, two points I want to make that I think if I'm a leader and I'm listening to this, there are exercises you can do with your team to first identify, like, what does my team actually need? I don't know. Do I have six of the same people? I can't tell. Um, so there's two exercises you can do one. You can um, get everybody in a room, do kind of like an offsite style, make it fun, do it in a staff meeting or a lunch meeting and have everybody, Write down each other's superpower. So I call it name your superpower. Um, Love it. The book Multipliers from Liz Weissman talks a lot about superpowers, where this is where I stole this from. So you have everybody in the room and you say, okay, what's Rob's superpower before Rob names his own? Okay. So people go around and they say, um, Rob is caring, Rob is empathetic, Rob is, Rob is the, you know, a, a negotiation machine, Let's whatever. Go. It is, right. They give me, I like a list. it. And then you've got this list of one, you feel really good. You got all these compliments. But two, you're like, what's my brand? What's my superpower? Actually, they nailed it. My superpower is I'm really good at analytics or whatever it is. And you name your superpower. And then you go to Christina and you do the same thing and you name her superpower. And at the end of the meeting, you know, what one is a leader. What's my gap on my team? Wow. No one here is really good at technology. I don't have like the demo guru guy on my team. And I need that person, or I got a bunch of execution people, but not a, no one's good at empathy. That's something that's a problem, right? Or no one's good at planning customer events, whatever it might be. It could be super tactical or it could be strategic, but identifying what you have currently so that you can figure out what holes you need to then hire for and design is sort of the key to transforming your team from being good to really, really exceptional and great and developing themselves.
0: That is a really cool exercise Um, is that when you do that, and we got about, like I said, we got 50,000 people that are listening. I hope there's people like me. Cause right now I'm like, yeah, I want to do that with myself. And I want to suggest this to some of my clients that I coach um, for some different reasons. Yeah. When you're doing that, is there anything like, as you've done that, like, is there like an, somebody say, Hey, watch for this to happen. Because this is an amazing thing that happens all the time. And also be careful not to do this because I learned the hard way that when I do this, I limit the impact. Is there either of those sides of that coin you could share?
1: Well, two things I would say, I'd say one, let the person name their own superpower last. If you let them go first, they bias the whole entire uh, exercise and they also don't feel as good. Sometimes it can be fun to do it anonymously. So I've done that before where they, people write it down anonymously and then you're able to read it. If you don't have a team that's maybe as connected, that could be, or maybe as vulnerable, that could be a way to go. Uh, But I think Mm. it builds a lot of connectiveness and trust if you can do it um, live. Um, The other thing I would say is at the end, one, it's really important to recap. And to say, you know, you know, this person on the team is incredibly, their their superpower is negotiation. You know, Christina, that's not your superpower. You've admitted that, which we'll talk about Crips Nights in a minute. Go to this person, John, for example, when you need help with negotiation. He loves it. He's good at it. It's a superpower. Time flies when he's doing it. Go ahead and help him. And then, by the way, John is really bad at customer events. And that's your superpower. You guys can learn from each other. So kind of recapping that and connecting it, It makes people feel as if every person on the team plays a role. Every person on the team adds value. You are not Mm. one of 10,000 people. You are a special, unique um, attribute to the team that adds value and elevates it. In the same token, it's really important. And I don't always do this in the the first meeting. It depends on the trust and you gotta make sure you've got like the right safety in the room to do this. But the next meeting I'll do is, let's talk about, we talked about superpowers. Let's be vulnerable and talk about our kryptonites. Let's talk about the thing that maybe we can do because we, you know, we're capable of it, but it takes more effort. It doesn't come as naturally to us. So we write down our kryptonites. Maybe public speaking is something someone struggles with, right? Maybe it's um, uh, customer on sites, whatever it might be. Maybe it's I really struggle to have empathy with people because I'm such a driver, whatever it might be. And you share that with everybody, but that that one is self self because you don't want people telling other people what their kryptonites are. But if you self diagnose your kryptonite. The room is there to then help you fill the gap. Everyone's got something they're not good at. I do, you do, we all do. Acknowledging that makes us human and also makes us be willing to help each other and connect more. So that's, I think those are the two takeaways. Make sure everybody else talks about the superpowers first before they self-diagnose. And then kryptonite is a super valuable technique as well.
0: Kryptonite really gets my attention, especially that you're doing it in a group setting. Like, I, I can see the positive one in a group setting being what what you said. You used two C words that I wrote down, confidence and connection. It does both of those. Is the kryptonite one is there any like insights for you for for you can share? Because I love it. Um have you ever like is there any reason not to to do it? Like, is there any 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 careful things you got to do with that? Because I love it, but I can I could see how some people might be scared of it.
1: You have, to, you have to build an environment. It has to be an environment where people feel connected and trusted with each other. And if that hasn't happened yet, wait, wait some time between the superpowers and kryptonites. If you jump from superpower to kryptonite and they don't feel safe or they feel like maybe they're going to go on a plan tomorrow or yeah. whatever it might be, if you don't have a team where you, you know, really think that there's a connected, trusted environment, you may want to wait to create that, which I have a whole bunch of techniques on how I would do before you do the kryptonite exercise. But I think You're awesome. <laughs> I think that's I think you have to if I'm not going to walk in my first day on the job and say an honest reaction of what my kryptonite is. But if I trust the leader I'm working with, um, and I feel like they have my back and I'm there to learn and everyone else and they've just shared their kryptonite, wow, let's 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 do this and let's help each other. This doesn't come from a place of criticism, it comes from a place of support.
0: Beautiful. Okay. So that's where you start. You start by by Figuring out those gaps, figuring out what superpowers exist, and then what ones do I want, and mm-hmm. then you go get them. Yep. Second, where are our sources of kryptonite, and how do we protect against those, I'm guessing, or how do we balance and have balance around to make sure that we, we've we got that in places that can help you overcome that, if I'm understanding you correctly.
1: Absolutely. So a good example is I was in an offsite, and one of the leaders said their kryptonite was they hated planning events. Hmm. They hated it. They hated like, okay. plan a customer event and you have to go through all the minutia of the catering or whatever it is. They're like, I don't want to do this. It was enlightening for us. We didn't realize that someone actually hated that. We were like, okay, that's interesting. And then two people in the room were like, that's actually like, if I had to plan my wedding over again, I would do it. Like, let me help you. I will help you. Or by the way, there's this external company that you can do and it's like very minimal cost and they can help you. So it became this really great environment where we could support each other. Um, so that, that was something that's really, that was really helpful. The other thing, this is another exercise. So I'm going to jump off a tangent for just a minute. So another exercise you can do in addition to superpowers is, um, there's a speaker that I saw once called her name's Connie Podesta and she does the personality shapes test. You can go to her website. She was a keynote speaker in one of my leadership offsites a while ago, and it really got me and the leadership and the personality shapes test. I do it in every management offsite. I do it in every leadership meeting. If you've worked for me. In the last 15 years, you probably know what shape you are. Um, It's a fun exercise. It lets everybody's guard down. And I won't go through it now because everyone's listening to this on probably their AirPods while they're going for a walk. But um, you basically identify as a shape. And then based on the shape, um, it tells you some personality traits that are associated with that. Um, So you might be a square. You might be a triangle. It depends on what kind of shape you are. When you do this exercise, one, it's getting to know yourself better. But also to that other point, getting to know your customers better. So I'll give you a really quick example and then I'll, we'll, we can post it afterwards on how to do the exercise. Wait. I'm a square. Okay. I'm a square. I would be very curious to know what you are, but let's just say for sake of argument, you're a square. Okay.
0: Okay. okay. Squares,
1: squares are structured, prepared, punctual, organized. Like a good example is the car of a square is clean and there's nothing in the trunk. And it's like, you know, we're square. I'm a square. Okay. Circles are, you know, come in and give me a hug. They are, they lead with emotion. They've got a, like, you look at their desk or their car and they've got pictures of their kids and their dogs and their, um, they they're great empathy people, things like that. Right. So let's just say you're a circle and I'm a square and I'm selling. Right. You, okay. And I'm selling to you. I'm a square. So my instinct is small talk is a minute and I'm moving on right? I'm not doing, my instinct is like, we got to get to the business. We got to move on, but you're a circle. So if I'm selling to a circle, I need to be conscious that if I don't give you 20 minutes of small talk in the beginning, you're not going to like me and you're probably not going to buy from me. Right (laughs) now, vice versa. Let's pretend I'm a circle and you're a square. And I come in and I'm like, Rob, tell me about your day. And you're like, I have five Uh, minutes. Do I even
0: know you? Yeah.
1: (laughs) So Knowing the types, and I'm not saying everyone fits perfectly into a bucket, but whether it's the superpowers, whether it's the personality shapes, maybe you do some fancy Myers-Briggs tests, you can do some a lot, lot of things to get to know your team, get to know the personalities of the people who you spend the majority of your time with every day, every week, but also think about that when you're selling to customers and how you can adapt your communication style, your selling style, and your leadership style.
0: But Christina, I love everything about that, and I love how you put a caveat at the end. You say, "I don't care if it's the personality things." Like you came alive for people who will see the videos on sales leadership. United, like you, you, lit up like a Christmas tree when you are talking about it. What I love about it is you clearly have that belief and that like energy behind it. And, and the point that I that I take from what you said is connect before you try to correct. And no matter what your connection strategy is, don't be an accidental, again, I'm, I'm using the word intentional. Everything you're talking about is intentionally building a team that you are connected to. I don't care how you do it. It could be the color codes. It could be the shapes. It could be Meyer Briggs. It could just be. I don't know. Maybe you have your own thing that you do, which a lot of people do. Yeah. Uh, be intentional about how you connect to people and uh, and 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 understanding how they communicate and communicate in the way that they'll receive it best, not in the communicate in the way that you prefer to do best. It, again, if I'm hearing you correctly.
1: Ab- absolutely. It was funny. It reminds me of a conversation I was having this morning with my husband. Um he was in sales for a long time um, as well. And we were talking this morning. And I was, I was telling him, I was like, you know, I think about leadership and sales, no one no one really trains you or you haven't necessarily been trained to be a great sales leader. Maybe you have eventually, but usually what happens, and this happens, I'm not going to say all the time, but let's just say 75% of the time you're the best AE on the team. Yep. You said kind I of want to lead and they move you yep. up and they promote you. Yep. And there's like, now you have to build a team, but you can't do what you did before. Don't be a super AE. Don't do this. on the scale. Um, and you got to get this team to build a cohesive unit and you're not sure where to start. There are, there are techniques and, and, education to go through to become that amazing leader and don't fault yourself if you don't know what you're doing in the first year i was not a great leader my first year i had to learn i was emulating all the bad and good stuff that i'd learned along the way and the like one thing that i did is i hired a coach like i hired an executive coach before i was an executive because for me i needed an outside perspective to train and develop me to be the leader i wanted to be because i'd worked for leaders that i didn't love and i wanted to be a leader that made a true impact, which is my personal
0: value. Uh, well, I think you're dead on. I, I don't think enough people realize that a coach can be that helpful. That's another, that's all, maybe that's something we talk about in our, your next episode when you come back in six to eight months or something like that. Um, but uh, I, I'm really, I really i am glad that you started with intentionality and building a team. So I, I want to start to, to summarize this because I can't believe that, we're down to like 20 minutes left in this conversation and we could spend the whole time on this and it would be a valuable conversation. So I want to start putting a bow on it so we can go to yeah. where it's next. If you want when with your team, not just when you get a new team, but as you advance the team, let, let me, you shared a few stories. Let me share a story to you. Maybe you can give some color to this, to our 50,000 listeners. So last uh, earlier this, no, it was last week. Yeah. Last week, one of my uh, I coach a number of people, Uh, she, her fiscal year ended on August 31st and she started a new fiscal September 1st. It's a European company and she's one of the sales leaders in North America. And so I got on the phone with her and I said, so how'd last year wrap up? And she had a lot of success and I let her talk about it. It was awesome. We high-fived through the camera. Right. And, um, and I said, okay, so here's my biggest question. Do you know why you won instead of just, we won off to the next race? Right. Mm -hmm. And it was awesome because sometimes people hum and ha when I ask that question, uh, Christina, and she didn't, she was like, boom, boom, boom. She had three things. And thing one made me think of you because we had been prepping for this conversation that made me think of you. She said, I upgraded the team. The team got better this year. And I was like, wow. So we talked about the ways part of it was new people. Part of it was new skills. Part of it was new focus there's a number of areas but that was very intentional and it was the first thing the other two things were good but the foundation was here how important is it not just to intentionally build a team but to keep upgrading the team and making sure it's the team that will take you where you want to go any any thoughts around that angle of it
1: so i read i read essentialism by Greg yep. McHugh. And back at you the read
0: beginning. good books. I like your books. Yeah. I, I,
1: I can do lots of books. I love I'm yeah. into reading. So, um, and in that, it actually, that was a huge game-changing book for me because I read it, um, in 20, like right at this end of 2020, early 2021. And we had just finished 2020, which was really rough. Right. Yeah. Um, and we were coming into 2021. So one of the things that I do as a leader every year is I would sit down and I would, um, list out all of the things that need to be improved so in the book it's called the slowest hiker methodology where basically you find what's the thing that's dragging you back the most and if you fix that it's gonna it's everything else is gonna lift so I wrote a list of like okay um we need more training or you know the product this or whatever it was and I wrote a list of all the reasons why we were gonna have a tough year and I said if I could pick one just one that if I fixed the rest might move just a little You know, like if I moved, you know, it would move all of the things up. And for me was make our people better. That was the one that came up because if I made our people better, our win rates would go up. If I made our people better, we'd have better on sites. So I focused all of my attention into create. So we created like a biweekly cadence of training and enablement that was by us for us. And even though it was a huge company that had a huge training department, I was like, I want salespeople to teach them like the basic 15 minutes, how to greet your customer at an on-site. right? Let's just make them like incrementally better. And when you do that, it changed everything. We had a record setting year, 52% growth, like all those things. So I think um, being intentional about what the flaws are, don't try and fix them all, pick the one that's going to have the biggest impact and then put an action plan and execute on doing something to fix that.
0: Okay, I'm really glad I asked that question to you because this is a really important thing then. This is massively important. I I I loved that what you just said, you found the gap, you figured it out. You said something that I don't I also don't want to like not get picked up. You did have a massive company with a massive training team and probably people felt like hey, that's my job to be the trainer of these things. You probably I'm going to guess you probably had a training group assigned to where your area was, for example. Yep. But I, I'll, I'm just going to say this without naming companies. I have a lot of leaders say, oh man, the, sh- the training that our training department brings is shit. Or you know what? They've never sold anything or they don't walk in our shoes. And, but we have no choice. I love what you just said. You weren't a victim. You said, nah, I think I found we needed these nuances. I'll let the training team do like the basic onboarding or whatever, whatever yes. they got to do. But as you said, this is what my team needs. You said, I'm going to make sure they get it. Yes. I am going to make sure they get it. How did you figure out that that was the way you had to be successful? Because that's a very common thing that I see, Christina, people that allow someone else to hold them hostage or something. You didn't like take a chance with your career. You just did what was right for your people. Is, is yeah. You talk about that a little bit more?
1: Yeah, I, I believe so much in just bootstrapping. So my superpower, we were talking about superpowers earlier. My superpower is get stuff done execution. I'm known for moving from point A to point B super fast, super organized, sometimes too fast. But um that is one of the things that i comes naturally to me and what i I be like, oh, we have to accomplish this. Let's go put a project plan in place. Let's execute on it. Let's make it happen. I really feel that in sales leadership, it's hard for anyone to know even even if we're part of a big company or part of a big sales team, no one knows our dirt, our geography, our territory, our market the way we do. No one knows the events that are going to resonate the most. No one knows they're going to the marketing that's going to resonate the most. It's unique based on where you sell, who you sell to, the type of environment. So the more you can customize to land and have it actually solve the problem, the more results you're going to see. So we tailored our trainings and our coaching all to to the things that we knew were important to our to our team and what we specifically needed. We didn't wait for someone to say, "Oh, we need training." Um, on this certain technology, which by the way, was not popping off in Kansas city right now, Kansas city wanted this training and Boston wanted this stuff. Like it was very different. And I think we recognized that we're aware of that and then said, well, what can we do to fix it versus my pet peeve is all talk and no action. So I couldn't mm. just sit there and like, let's just talk about it. Let's do something. Let's try it. And if it doesn't work, well, you know what, we tried it. And if it does great, we can celebrate it and share it.
0: We have the same pet peeve that may be work its way into the title of this episode. uh, Yeah. yeah. No, I'm serious. Like, I think, I think the longer it takes for you to come up with an idea and start talking about it from when you actually do something about it, the longer it takes, the less likely you are to win for at least three reasons. And so I love when I meet people like yourself that say, nah, I'm I'm just going to make sure they get it. Um, and that's a hallmark of the elite leaders. They don't, aren't afraid of owning all of those things. Like, you're, like you'll, there'll be people say, hey, you mean I got to figure out training too? And my answer is, yeah, you yeah. do. Yeah. Because the stakes are too high and you're right. The people who are doing it may not understand what your dirt's like. I liked your, your analogy there. Okay. You do know your team better than anyone else. You do know your area better than anyone else. You do know the needs better than anyone else. And so, don't just cross your fingers and hope that what someone brings to the table for you will get the job done.
1: Yeah, part and of the, being
0: a leader is bring that training to them. Go ahead.
1: I, I was going to say, and like, and don't be afraid as a leader to reward that within your team. So one thing, like we we would say, we reward movement. So progress, not perfection. Just try. Reward the movement. So whether that's yourself and you're trying to move the ball forward, or it's on your team and you're saying okay, you don't think this onsite process works. Let's try your way. Let's try it. Let's reward that movement. Try the innovation reward the trying, regardless if it fails or not. And then more people will innovate and do more. So reward movement, whether it's at a company or a team level, I think is a pretty powerful thing to, to enforce.
0: All right. So we have about 10 minutes left and it's mind boggling to me, how fast these go when I meet amazing (laughs) leaders like you that have so much to offer to me. Um, Let's talk about rewards for a minute, if you don't mind. We've talked for half an hour about assembling a team. And I think you've given really great insights. And at the very end, we'll give you a chance to like put a bow on it. Final thoughts with Christina. It'll be a great video snippet as well. Absolutely. Um, But part of what we do though, and I'm hearing this a lot. Let me tell you why I'm going here. Since you brought up rewards, I want to stay where you are. I hope you feel like we're like in the places that you're taking it. Absolutely. Um, I have a lot of of leaders that I work with, again, a lot of companies, every industry worldwide, but this is very common. Burnout is happening again in record levels, because we still have to find ways to have revenue hit, but we don't have the resources to sometimes that to match. So we got to grow by 10%, but we get like 2% more headcount, for example, right? Yeah. Or 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 30% growth with Two percent headcount, or whatever okay and so too many p- times i think we're choosing grind instead of grow and i'm not going to go there on this one how do we keep it fun how do you structure rewards like go back to the, the the leader that i mentioned earlier who had their success i showed her a picture of a of a track and field start finish line where it's the same line that you start the race as finish the let race it says start and finish on either side of the line and we said This is what sales is. When you watch the Olympics and the the track athletes run, when they cross the finish line, they do lots of things. Their arms go up in the air. They put the flag on their shoulders. They get their Gatorade. They may go to the tent, get their hamstrings work on. I said, but the one thing you never see them do is immediately start the next race. And that's what we do at sales. We immediately start the next race. So how do we separate that? How do we reward? How do we celebrate? How do we keep it fun and not just be a grind? Any thoughts around that?
1: Yes. And I, so, um, I've, I've run all kinds of different teams. And so, and people will fight me on this, but I disagree. A lot of times people say, well, you know, the fun stuff that only works for sort of the younger roles that only no. works for like the entry. I'm like, you know what? I don't care how old you are or how experienced you are. Everyone loves recognition. Everyone loves a little trophy on their desk. Everyone loves being called out on all hands. Like, if you're in sales, we got we all got a little ego, right? We like we like to know that we've done a good job and you don't always get told that. So I do think there's certain things you can cater to different types of groups depending on the vibe of the team and all of that, but you absolutely need to incorporate the fun. And by the way, this did not come easily to me because I am on a square. So I'm you're very a square. Structured. I was gonna say it,
0: but use it. You said it. Okay, let's go. <laughs> structured,
1: I'm organized, I'm efficient. So in my first few years of leadership, I literally had to schedule a reminder for myself to be like, plan something fun this week. And that sounds silly, but it built my muscle. So now it's a natural thing that I do. And it's actually the best part of my job. Um, but I think the the fun element is is so critical in sales because we get beat up all the time and we have failure and we can be resilient, but man, we got to get picked up. So there's little tactical things there's silly things like, you know, when I ran the sales dev team and we were cold calling and we were doing BDR, we had dress up call blitzes where everybody had to dress up in beach wear, right? Silly stuff. We did a virtual DJ dance party. Highly recommend that. That was where Let's you hire go. a DJ on zoom from like seven to eight in the mornings. So people are off camera getting ready and they're listening to the beats and like calling each other out on it. So that's kind of fun. There's one that I do consistently called gratitude corner. So at the end of every staff meeting, you take five minutes and does anybody want to say thank you to anyone on or off the call? That's kind of a cool thing because then you can say, you know, what that sales engineer did an amazing job or this sales trainer did went out of their way to help me with this. And then it spreads a little bit like wildfire. That stuff really means pe- things to people. Um, I think, I think, and then it also, I think investing in them. Like, so whether it's investing in training, mentoring, time, we did like, you know a monthly fireside chat with an executive every month that was really motivating for people to join um so i think it just depends on the, the type of team but you you have to include fun especially in bad times even if that means you got to schedule it um and then just diversify the fun sometimes it's a workout sometimes it's a happy hour sometimes it's gratitude corner sometimes it's volunteering together um but diversify the fun and you'll hit something on everybody's motivational kind
0: of menu yeah i i really like that diversify fun i wrote that down i I, like i've got two full pages of notes here i'm holding up for you and and uh and i hope our listeners are doing the same thing this idea of diversifying fun i think that it's widespread christina i don't think it's just you that struggles with that and i think part of it's because the pressure to perform is so high that's why you have so many things like imposter syndrome and like burnout and Mental health issues for salespeople yes. are well-documented. That's, again, that's not what this show's about. But part of it is it's all pressure and not enough fun. And it takes me back to that movie, The Shining with Jack Nicholson, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, right? Yeah. And and um, just yesterday, one of my favorite sales leaders I was working with, and he told me that, yeah, we're we're ahead. We're going to finish quarter three in front. And I'm like, sweet. My first question, how are you celebrating? He goes, like, I knew you're going to ask me that. I'm like, good. Then you should already have an answer. Right. And he's like, I don't have an answer. And um, I'm too busy thinking about prospecting into Q1. He goes, I'm thinking that I'm going to set up a competition with somebody else for our Q1 pipeline, which good idea. I like it, but how are you going to celebrate what you did? So I'm so glad you said diversify fun, schedule fun, you know, celebration should be part of what we do because our, listen, there's a lot of different jobs and the sales job is a harder job because there's, there's so much lack of predictability in it. You yes. know, I, I that's why it's not for everyone. That's why, you know, we put so much of our our earnings, our OTE is variable. Like we don't know if we're gonna get it or not. Yeah. And lots of people just say, hey, I want my nine to five, I want a stable job, blah, blah. blah. Well, that's not part of sales. It's mm-hmm. not. And yeah. so when you get there, I think when you climb that mountain, whatever it is. And everybody's mountains will be relatively different in scale based on their own journey. I think we as leaders have a responsibility to celebrate, and, and so I thank you for, for your thoughts on there. Any, any final thoughts around uh, rewards or celebration before we start to wrap this conversation up?
1: No, the only other thing I would say is that when you remember to celebrate for your team, don't forget to celebrate for yourself. You know, that's one thing that I've sort of learned during this like kind of career break or gap year that I'm taking is self-compassion, self-validation, investing in yourself, really making sure that you're feeding, not judging your worth. And this is really, especially when you're new in sales, not judging your worth based on where you are on the dashboard or the metric, like really understanding that I'm incredibly talented. I'm really proud, reflecting what was an amazing moment this year or this month or this quarter that like, man, I was a badass. That was amazing, right? Like giving yourself the kudos. So the, the one thing that I've, really been practicing and like given perspective on is sort of you know talk to yourself like you would a friend or an employee a team member like having that self-compassion that self-validation that self-motivation um will help you remain healthy physically mentally professionally as you have a long career in sales because it's great as long as you can kind of balance the ebbs and flows of it
0: yeah i think the one thing i would say on that and i, and I wish we had a I'm not sad. We went fast because it was awesome. Okay, this idea of giving yourself boundaries and saying it is okay to prioritize yourself. Yes. I don't think leaders hear that enough. Uh, Christina, do you?
1: No, and they need to. And they and like I luckily had a leader early in my career, a guy named Tony Redone. I'm going to give a shout out to him. He's an incredible. He's the goat of sales leadership. So in my in my book. Um,
0: let's get let's get and, him on the show.
1: He would he would he would blow it. I would blow your mind. He's amazing.
0: Okay. Um, let's go. But,
1: When I first got back from maternity leave and I'd had my first daughter, I have two daughters now, and I had my first daughter and I came back, I was super nervous that I wasn't going to be the same sales leader that I was before. I wasn't going to be able to work, you know, first one in, last one out. My daughter went to bed at seven. Like it takes me 45 minutes to get home, all of those things. And I remember talking to him about it and saying, I need to leave the office at 445 so I can see her before she goes to bed. I will jump back on after she goes to bed to finish anything. You know, afterwards, and his response to me, which I take and I give to people all the time, was Christina, own it, own it, own your decision. You perform, no one is ever going to question you on the boundaries as long as you bring performance and success. You have to own it. And in certain times in your life, whether it's children, whether it's aging parents, whether it's your own physical or mental health, you have to put your boundaries in place in order for you to perform the way that the company wants you to perform. So I think, I think that balance is something that's I've definitely gotten perspective over the years and got some great advice. And I encourage everyone listening to do their best to pick a boundary and own it.
0: All right. That is an amazing theme for this conversation. Own it. Own how you design your team. Own how you bring fun and celebration to the team. Own how you how you have boundaries for yourself. I love that. How do people get more of you? How do they connect to you? How do they you know, find what you're at, what you're doing, where you're going, what, what resources you might have available? How do they get more of Christina?
1: Absolutely. Um, well, first, thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. I would say, so LinkedIn, I'm all over LinkedIn. Um, and go. I would say, you know, I'm at a point in obviously taking the career break is, you know, if something I said with you resonated, if you vibed with my sort of mojo. If you aligned with my values, please reach out to me. I love networking, having conversations, being exposed to more amazing sales uh, people and having conversations like this. Um, And so like LinkedIn, yeah, reach out to me on LinkedIn and I'll I'll definitely respond.
0: All right. This has been amazing. We've got one minute left. You got a final thought for 50,000 people that are loving what we just uh, broke down together.
1: Okay. I got two. If anyone's still listening, I got two and these are good golden nuggets for me. So one, uh, invest in yourself before you can invest in others. If you stop investing in yourself, whether it's through coach or or books or whatever you need to do to invest in yourself to recharge, you're no good to anybody else. That's number one. Love it. Number two, um, as leaders, we are the main characters in our employees' story. What I mean by that is your employees on your team are talking about you. You are a character in their life. Whether they're on a date night, whether they're at a family Thanksgiving, you're coming up. We have a responsibility to be really good leaders. As a result, recognize that you're the main character in someone's story, and act like it is something I would say. So let's be let's be really good leaders and um, and bring back the, the sort of value and prestige with sales leadership.
0: Wow, what a great conversation! I hope you'll join me again in a few months. Uh, when you get done with your break and you're back in leadership, we'll welcome you back again. I think that will be a perfect time. Christina, you're amazing. <clears throat> On behalf of 50,000 people all around the world, thank you for giving us an hour of your day. Um, her name is Christina Smears. Uh, she started as news anchor that turned into sales leader. Uh, she's helping people own it all around the world and in different walks of life as she's been a fantastic sales leader. My hope is that each one of us can own it in at least those three areas as we do take that role as a main character that's hopefully a protagonist and not an antagonist in the characters of the stories with the people we lead. Christina, thank you again for joining us. I wish you only the very best and good luck wherever life takes you next.
1: Thank you, Rob. Thank you, everyone.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this episode is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Since 2019, Sales Leadership United has lived on Patreon and it's grown to be the largest collection of sales leadership assets in the world. I could not be more excited to announce that Sales Leadership United now has its own home. Sales Leadership United has moved away from Patreon and you can find us at salesleadershipunited.com. Listen, I coach over a hundred leaders in big companies, new companies, small companies, high growth companies every industry, people that are new to leadership, people that are new to companies, the most seasoned sales leaders in the world and the newest sales leaders in the world. And every one of them is asking for more tools, more insights, more perspective. They ask me things like, how do you create systems? How do you create foundations? How do you create change? What's the best way to coach? What's the best way to lead up, to manage up, to connect to a totally different generation? But the number one question I get what are other leaders like me doing to solve problems like the ones I'm facing? And that's why you want to check out Sales Leadership United. Ghouls, training, techniques, perspective that comes from the benefits of thousands of hours with leaders from all around the world. Clips from Christina and other elite leaders that you can have in bite-sized chunks. Listen, if you haven't checked out Sales Leadership United, head to salesleadershipunited.com and use the code ROB to get a free trial. So. First, before I go any farther, I want to thank each of you for reaching out to me about that episode with my personal story, uh, how I shared my battle with, with colon cancer. Your life changes when you're told that you have 18 months to live, and then it changes again when you're in single digits. Um, I was forced to make decisions I never thought I'd have to make, especially at my age. Uh, I'm grateful so many of you found it helpful. I, I, I appreciate the way you've reached out to me let me know. It means a lot to feel like I've somehow helped someone in some way. So keep that coming. I I want to hear that from you. And if you have questions or want to collaborate with me about that, I I'm I'm happy to do that. But I want to talk about this episode now. Listen, Ali Rosakos is someone that I have the most uh, respect for. I, I love her. I love what she does. I respect her so much. And when Ali Rosakis calls me and, sh- and tells me the most important person in her development is someone I need to have on my show, you can bet I get them on my show as fast as I can. And she would have been on a few months ago. But the reason that I had to wait was Christina was prioritizing herself. She was taking that sabbatical. She was off with her family, doing things that allowed her to prioritize her life, her work, her priorities, her approach, that by itself is a lesson we could all learn from, to give yourself permission to prioritize you. But the rest of this conversation, I found this really, really insightful because her perspective makes this so interesting to me. This conversation was based on her looking back on what led to success, what led to challenges and how she can own all of it in her life and in her career. And this lens of what can I own, that's a lens that elite leaders choose to look through. Not every leader looks through that lens. What can I own? If you want to be elite, that's a lens you better get used to. I found that too often people look in the mirror when they win, but only when they win. And too often when things don't go well, we point our finger out the window. We choose excuses over ownership. Many of you know I have the 20 choices elite leaders make that average leaders don't make. One of these choices is to choose ownership over excuses. If you want to see all the 20 choices, go to Sales Leadership United. I have a couple of things there. In fact, I even have t-shirts about some of them. You you, you may see me every now and then wearing growth over grind. That's choice number two. Listen, I found this choice of ownership over excuses This is a choice that fuels the success of the elite, and it isn't because they're choosing to be a control freak. In fact, one of the 20 choices is choosing collaboration over control. But ownership, that's something that I don't see in every single leader. Um, Ownership for good or for bad. I work with a few leaders in an organization whose fiscal year ended August 31st. I had one-on-ones with a couple of the leaders right after the year end, and both of them had hit their numbers. I asked both of them the same question, what do you attribute the success to? One spit out four reasons without even thinking. Um, She was awesome. The first thing she said was it was an intentional upgrade with the team. The second was that she called, she referred to it as a next level understanding of their customers. She had incredible insights on all four of the drivers of these success and she was able to go pretty deep telling me the things she'd done intentionally. I guess the point I want to make is it wasn't a happy accident. It wasn't a work hard, cross your fingers, and let's hold on for dear life. The other one kind of shrugged, and he said, well, we got a great team. They worked really hard, and we had a few lucky breaks. And he, he was trying to be an all shucks leader, and I understand what he was trying to do. But frankly, as I pushed, he couldn't point to exactly what it was that led to success. And so I want to make it really clear as I think about Christina's message. We need to understand why we get the outcomes we get and not just that we got them. Back to that other company story. I also had a couple one-on-ones of people in that company, leaders in that company, who missed their number. And man, they were full of excuses. Excuses about the people above them, people who didn't get them, people on their team. Maybe they were new. Maybe they were lazy. I I have one person say, I'd be surprised if I could get two weeks of work out of somebody in a whole month. Um, They they blamed time and territory with a new team. They blamed a crazy economy, irrational competitors. They blamed everything except for their approach as a leader. So I love this episode from Christina, someone who has thrived in one of the most aggressive and most successful sales orgs in the world, Salesforce. Someone who was intentionally successful there someone who built systems that didn't just get results they shaped the lives and careers of hundreds of people and someone who has realized along the way that you have to choose to own it own it all and just like there's no happy accidents for success i also don't think there are any victims listen i love this conversation i'm in love with the perspective christina shares and i would encourage you to follow her advice Prioritize you. Don't be afraid to invest in yourself. And don't ever forget that as leaders, Christina's right. You are a main character in their story. You are not like an also Rand. You are a main character in the story. Are you a hero or are you a villain? The choice is yours. And that should fire you up because you can make the choice to own what you're going to be. Listen, so make that choice, own it, own it all. Your team will thank you, your company will thank you, your career will thank you, and ultimately, you will thank you because you will find yourself more fulfilled than you've ever been. Christina, thank you for joining me. Our conversation inspired me. Thank you for sharing your thoughts around ownership, and honestly, your conversation with me helped me make hard decisions about my personal battle with cancer and how I would thrive rather than just survive by focusing on what I can own. So I thank you. Your perspective is so on point and your suggestions are something timely that will help thousands of leaders around the world. And to our listeners, take my advice, connect with Christina, reach out to her with questions. And man, if you're lucky, maybe you can be the company that convinces her to join forces with you as she is making the choice on where her next move will be. We've got links in our show notes to make it easy for you to connect with her. And trust me, you'll be glad you connected with Christina. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners, the greatest compliment you can give is to share the show with those you lo- work with. Introduce them to the Sales Leadership Podcast, leave us a review on iTunes, and you can support the show by checking out Sales Leadership United. Head to salesleadershipunited.com and, get, and give it a look. I promise you'll be, you'll be glad you did. Thank you for your ongoing support of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Our job as sales leaders is to create life-changing years for the people we lead. If you like this message, please share it this week with someone who needs to hear it and then get after it because life is short. There is no guarantee of what we'll see tomorrow. Maximize your today, be elite, live strong, and chase your passions and do your best work so you can live your best life. And don't ever forget, you got this? And I got you. Have a terrific week. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jepg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner,